Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the Retirement Readiness Podcast. As always, I'm Katie Umland, Head of Marketing here at Prairie View, and of course, we have Tim Regan, the founder at Prairie View. Hi, Katie. Hi. Thanks for joining us this week. First, we're going to be talking about um, different options for financing retirement. We kind of have a couple different options to run through that you might already be thinking in your head. Um, and Tim will kind of take us through that today. So um, just off the top of my head right away, I kind of think of three different options for financing. So when I think about retirement, I think about a 401k or some kind of personal account savings. Yeah. Um, that one is probably specific to me because that's what I'm most familiar with. Yep. Um, but then some lucky people have pensions. Um and social security eventually will become a part of your retirement. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because a lot of times as we talk to people, those are the three that always come to mind. <clears throat> and with the way things are today, uh, they're actually asking, well, is social, social security going to be around? Uh, you know, pensions are almost like a dinosaur anymore. Right. Uh, those people that were lucky enough to have them really, really don't understand how fortunate they are to have those opportunities. But, uh, but yeah, those are the three major. And that's uh, when I think of retirement, I only think of 401k because my first thought is, well, I'm paying into social security, but like, LOL, who knows if that's going to be <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. a thing. And I don't know if that's just, uh, if that's true or false or, you know, from our opinion, obviously nobody knows what that, what that looks like, but from our opinion, uh, we don't see social security going away. We think it probably gets modified a little bit uh, as it has already. You know, we've already seen ages start to increase for what normal retirement age is, quote unquote, normal retirement age. Um, and so I think it continues to get modified a little bit, but I don't see how it can just completely go away. The, you know, when, and to kind of add a little color to that, when social security was first initiated, uh, it was old age survivor disability uh insurance and OASDI you'll see on your paycheck is where it goes to. And the age you had to be to collect was 65. Well, that was also uh, at that point in time, that's what life expectancy was. So when they say old age, they really meant old age. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think that it's going to turn into, it completely disappears, but it could start to become more and more like an old age kind of uh, benefit. And people might have to start shifting their thought of when do I retire from sometime in my 60s to maybe it's when I get to my 70s or, or something like that. So. so when can you collect Social Security? You know, that's one of the biggest things we talk to people all the time about because uh, you really have a lot of options there. So I think it's there's different things like I can collect Social Security now, but should I? Absolutely. You know, the, the time when you can start collecting Social Security uh, is first at age 62. But if you go collect at age 62, there is an adjustment from your full benefit because you're, I don't know, depending on how old you are, either six years or, or so younger than, than what your full retirement age is. So they adjust that down. And so you don't get your full benefit. The way I like to think about it is uh, Social Security is promising they're going to pay you for the rest of your life. Well, if they have to pay you an extra eight years or yeah. six years or whatever the number is, they're going to cut your benefit down uh, quite a bit. So even though you could collect at 62, doesn't always mean that you should collect at 62. Uh, typically, we encourage our clients to wait at least until full retirement age. Even if they choose to retire earlier, sometimes it makes sense to wait. So you're part. saying like if you start collecting at 62, you don't get four years extra of collecting. Correct. It's it's coming from your 
from total your, pot. Yep, that's right. Yeah, in essence, that's a good way to look at it because uh, because they reduce the amount every month you're going to get because you're collecting it early. Early, and so you're to your point, kind of this quote unquote total pot. Uh, really, it looks very similar because you're just getting it at a, at a stretched level, out over time. that time period. That's right. Uh, and so there's obviously a lot of factors that go into that. Uh, what's your health look like? What's longevity in your family? Those types of things. But but what we find is that many times as clients think about uh, retirement, they link, when I retire, I collect Social Security. Yeah, those are like simultaneous mm-hmm. things. And really what we encourage them to do is decouple that thinking and say, when I want to retire does not have to necessarily correspond or coincide with when I, I collect Social Security. Security. Sure. So this is stupid, maybe. Can you... Say let's let's say you're 65, but you're still working. Can you also collect Social Security? That was a dumb question. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not at all. That that's a great question. Uh, yeah, so you can still work and collect Social Security. However, if you're below your normal retirement age, they put a limit to how much you can make every year from working before you have to start paying back some of your Social Security. Uh, so, for example, as they've raised full retirement age. Uh, you might be at 66 and eight months as your full retirement age. If you're age 65 and make $25,000 that you're working, you're going to have to pay back some of your social security because that's over the social security wage base. Basically like they deem that you don't need social security if you make a certain amount. Correct. Uh, Once you hit that full retirement age, now you can work, make as much as you want and collect your social security. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so outside of social security, let's move to pensions. Um, are there, do they exist anymore? Yeah. Like what is that? Oh, for sure. And yeah, they do still exist. Uh, a lot of times where we see social or see uh, pensions existing are in our unionized uh, workers. So people that are teachers or work in the school system, uh, a lot of times you'll see our firefighters, paramedics, uh, people that are in craft industries, uh, whether it be uh, heavy operators or craft uh, industries. I don't know what that means. That, that would be craft beers. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, I like to like craft mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so craft would be uh, they work at a craft, right? So uh, I'm a carpenter, I'm an electrician, okay. plumber, those types of things. So, uh, so a lot of times when we see uh, workers in those industries, they still have those pensions that are there as part of their. Uh, of being a part of that industry. Or like government employees. Government you know, employees like, do, yep. Uh, uh, post office workers. Yeah, absolutely. And so depending on where they fall, um, most people, unless they work as a teacher, government employee, those types of things get to collect their social security and their pension. Uh, mm-hmm. But but if you're a teacher or a uh, public servant, in many cases, you can't collect social security and your pension. It's They consider it double dipping. And so there's some adjustments that need to be made. Uh, calculations. So if you're receiving a pension, you still pay into social security. Correct. Yeah. So even if, so if you'll have, uh, so I should go back and probably clarify. Uh, so while you're working, if you have a pension, you'll still be paying into social security and have your pension more than likely. Once you start collecting your pension, you will not pay into social security. Okay. Uh, what happens is social security is a, uh, payroll tax. It's not an income tax. So while you're working, the way I like to think about it is if I have to put on my work boots to go get the dollar, 
then Social Security is going to be withheld. Uh, if I'm getting income because I am retired or it's passive mm -hmm. income, uh, then I don't necessarily have to pay Social Security. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, for example, your your investment income, even though you're working, uh, if you have investments that give you an income, you're not going to pay Social Security tax. So sure. Pay regular income tax on that. Uh, which is really one of the things that when you, when you think about pensions and social security and coordinating and, and all that stuff, there's a lot that goes into those, into those decisions. Right. So what about when I'm first starting that pension, like what kind of mistakes are commonly made or because there are so many things that go into that? A hundred percent. So, uh, the biggest mistakes that we see are, uh, choosing the right option what will happen is and it's kind of like social security a little bit because the age in which you collect is going to affect how much you get in addition to that with a pension you're going to have a choice whether your spouse will get any portion of your pension or not uh it may be really appealing to look at this big number that says hey i'm only going to collect it on my own life but if i die my spouse gets nothing that gives me kind of like quote unquote my full pension However, if I died tomorrow, my spouse gets nothing. Yeah. Uh, and so so then there's just a lot of uh, decisions that are made. The other thing that a lot of times people don't think about when they look at that is some pensions do not adjust for inflation. And so if they don't adjust for inflation, people can look at it and say, well, we hear this a lot, uh, especially from policemen and firefighters. They say, you know, well, my pension, and I, I don't get any more of my pension once I get past age 55. So I'm going to start collecting my pension and, and go on retirement. Uh, however, those those pensions usually don't adjust for inflation. And so from 55 until I pass away at age 95, that's a huge time period that I could, if it's not increasing, I could run out of money in the middle because I didn't have a pension that increased for, for inflation. So those are all the, the some of the decisions and calculations that we have to look at before you start collecting. And that's something that you you would walk through with clients? Like, is that, who should they be going to for help with that? For sure. So every place that uh, offers a pension will have somebody that they can talk to to help make. Like an HR decisions. rep or. Yeah, and usually it's like a union rep or, or something like that. The problem is that they are only going to look at that pension, that person, that moment. Uh, there's no way for them to take in the broader picture of what does this mean long-term. And that's really where we come in. We're not going to be experts in their specific pension, but we will be experts in how does that pension fit in with their other distributions, total, total picture to make sure that, uh, you know, the worst thing is when you have more life than you have money <laughs> and all of a sudden the things that you were doing, you can't do anymore because you ran out of money too soon. So I am not a craft worker. <laughs> But a pension sounds awesome. Yep. Like what other options do I have if I want a pension-like option? Yeah. yeah. So uh, a lot of times what we see is uh, the stability and the protection that a pension offers gives people the ability to live more freely in retirement because they know I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about markets going up and down. I don't have to worry about running out of money. This money is coming in for the rest of my life guaranteed. And so there are times when we can actually take money out of, say, your 401k that you're talking about and put that into a private pension. It's an annuity contract is what does it. But basically what that does is it creates an agreement between you and an insurance company that says, if I give you this chunk of money, will you give me or how much money will you give me every month for the rest of my life 
guaranteed. So now I know I basically bought my own private pension with uh, with those dollars. So I maybe should have asked this before, but it just kind of dawned on me. So for with a pension, is that just your employer or union setting that up for you or do you contribute to your pension? Is it similar to a 401k? Yeah. So most pension plans have some sort of a uh, contribution, both from the employer and from the employee. Now, they a lot of times you look at it and say, well, I don't see a line item for that that says it's going to my pension. But what happens many times is that's part of the negotiated salary is, you know, when you when they go to negotiations with the union, they might say, well, we'll pay $30 an hour. Well, we want to build the pension. So instead of 30, let's do 29 with a dollar per hour contribution into my pension or into that, okay. uh, that product. And they all work slightly differently, but uh, but depending on where you're at, you might see that contribution, you might not. For example, it's funny, we see some teachers uh, in Illinois, which is where we're located, uh, some teachers contribute into their pension, other teachers do not. So if you work, depending on which, mm. uh, whether you for work for TRS, Teacher Retirement System of Illinois, or Chicago Public School Systems, uh, some of them are contributing, some of them aren't. It, it really is employer by employers. And is that is that reason maybe because their spouse has a good retirement or like, why wouldn't somebody contribute? No, it's the way that it's, it's mandatory. So it's the way that their contract with the employer works. So the employer's plan says, yes, you have to contribute or no, you don't contribute into your pension. Oh, it's, it's not, not a choice. It is not employee oh, choice. Okay. It is employer choice. Okay. Um, and would, if somebody has a pension, is it common for them to also set up like a Roth account or like, is it, pretty much just your pension is your retirement like what's common so what's common is that most of the time people who have pensions for whatever reason in their mind that is their retirement plan and so we find that they have much smaller savings for retirement it's almost like if it's you know it's all on your shoulders you save enough and, and you put enough away and so one of the things that we encourage people is whether you've got a pension or you don't you have to be saving some more money towards that retirement plan uh you mentioned 401k for yourself well, if you know that's all you got, you're going to make sure you put enough money in mm-hmm. to, to protect it. And many times we see people that have a pension that don't do that as much, even though they should. Okay. So shifting to 401k, um, is that the best way to save for retirement or, or broaden it to say just a personal savings? What is the best way? Yeah. So if you don't have some of those predetermined pension, you have to put money aside and you're going to save for retirement yourself, typically your 401k is the absolute best way to do it. And the reason it is, is because you have, most employers will do some sort of a match. So our recommendation is start by whatever they're going to match, put that much in at least, no matter what you think, uh, get that much in because it's free money. So why, why leave that money on the table? But beyond that, uh, our suggestion is that starting in your 20s, you should save at least 10% of your income into your 401k. And we say 401k, it comes in two varieties. You can do pre-tax or after-tax or Roth type. Roth or traditional. Yep, that's right. (laughs) Uh, And so our suggestion is that uh, as you're saving into the 401k, do at least 10% and consider half and half uh, to start. Every decade that you get past your 20s, you should probably consider increasing that by at least 2%. 
and then looking to shift more and more of that money into a Roth versus a traditional 401k. Very broad rule of thumb, right? But but the reason we suggest that is uh, the closer you get to retirement, the more you're going to have to kind of ramp up savings to make sure you've got enough. Secondly, uh, what typically happens is your typical career path through your 20s, you're not earning your most money. So you're probably not in a super high tax bracket. Uh, and so to to have some of those dollars, but but many times you're sink. So you might be in a higher tax bracket. And so to have those dollars split is, is just a good way to. Well, I don't know if that's actually true anymore because influencers and TikTokers are <laughs> yeah. making extreme um, amount of money yeah. and they're typically in their 20s. How do I sign so, up for that yeah. program? <laughs> or uh, children who are making YouTube videos of just them playing with toys or reviewing toys and yeah. are millionaires. Yeah, it's nuts, isn't it? It's absolutely nuts. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, so, and so a lot of times we, we suggest that you, you kind of split it. But then as you get closer to retirement, we want to build Roth contributions. And what happens is your employer, any money that they put in is all going to be going into your tax deferred retirement account. So we don't want to end up with too much tax deferred. That's what we suggest the Roth to. So we diversify our savings. That's right. See, look at, I'm telling you, pretty soon you're going to I be- have learned so much from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now just sign us up for that uh, that uh, YouTube program where we start getting paid for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right, right. Um, but that just made me also think that um, you mentioned like in your 20s, about 10%, you said, and then every decade, about 2% more. Um, I also was told when you get a raise, you should be putting that extra amount in right away, increase your what's going to your retirement so that you don't miss it. Yeah. Yeah. Our suggestion is uh, that you split the raise so that if you get, let's say a 2% raise, increase the 401k by 1%, keep 1% in your pocket. Cause everybody wants to get a raise, right? Yes. You want to have some money coming in, but it's a, pain, a fairly painless way to, to see that increase over time. So if I don't think I'm going to be an employer forever or an employee forever, should I, be using the 401k. Oh, yes. Uh, you mean like at the same employer? Right, uh, yes, yes, at the same employer. Absolutely. Uh, we hear that so many times where people say, well, I'm going to sign up for the 401k somewhere else because I think I'm only going to be here for a couple of years and then move on. Put it away. You never lose your money. Uh, so any money that you put into it will always be able to be transferred with you. Uh, so when I say lose money, uh, the investments might lose money, but, but having those dollars, you're never going to have a penalty for rolling it when you move. Uh, and you can only have the upside of potentially getting some of your employer money. So many times we see people say, oh, I'm going to change jobs in a year or two. I don't want to do it. 10 years later, they still haven't still signed there. up and they're still yeah. there. So sign up immediately as soon as you're able to and start contributing. Okay. So let's say when I actually retire, how do I know where to start taking income from? So the first one is the uh, you that should be done probably building up a couple of years before you get to retirement. You should be working with somebody to to map out what does my income look like. Uh, retirement planning is two parts. One part is do I have enough saved? The other part is what we would consider a cash flow part. How do I generate cash flow? Because that's what you live on, right? I need three thousand dollars a month in order to to live, and so it's how do you live in that cash flow that you have to start focusing on. And that's really where we look at, should I take from a Roth IRA? Should I take from my traditional IRA or 401k? 
How much is my pension? What When do I time Social Security? And it all goes into a very thoughtful process that we suggest you start probably a couple of years before retirement actually hits. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess you probably shouldn't just like wake up one day and put in your well, notice. Or... We, have, we have a lot of people that are like, <laughs> I'm retiring at 65. All right. And uh, what have you done to, to do that? Well, nothing. I'm just retired sixty five. Yeah. Oh, okay, uh, maybe we need to just put a little work in before we get there. So, um, and then finally, should I leave my four hundred one k at my employer? Yeah. So and you, what does that mean? So usually, what the way we like to think about it is, and there are always exceptions to rules. It's, it can get very specific for the person, but usually, four hundred one ks are really good at accumulating money. They're not as good at distributing. And so typically we would, we would suggest if you leave an employer, you should take that money with you rather than leaving it in that employer's 401k plan. All 401ks have rules that are, I don't know, kind of structured that 401k rules around when can you take money out? When can you change how you invest it? Who can help you with that? So it's better in our opinion, don't let them have any say over your money, take it, get it in your own control. And what, so what does that mean? Do they actually write you a, like they would write Katie Umland to check for what is in my current savings. And then I would be in charge of reinvesting that in a 401k or what does that actually mean? Yeah. So if you, so short answer is usually, yes, they will send Katie Umland to check. If you do it right though, it won't be made payable to Katie Umland because if it's made payable to you, uh, then you have to pay tax on all of that money. So ideally you would set up an account with an advisor somewhere in a financial institution somewhere uh, that would have it technically be an IRA in your name, IRA standing for individual retirement account. And then when they cut the check, they actually cut the check payable to, let's say you're using Charles Schwab, uh, that's who we use. So they make the check payable to Charles Schwab, and then they'd have FBO for the benefit of Katie Upland. Uh, and that way it's not taxable. It goes directly into that account. It's like it never stopped. That's right. Okay. That's right. So I would need to have that set up before I pulled. You, you don't have to. Uh, you could, there are ways that you could do it like delayed, but it's way cleaner if you set it up first and then just. And then fund it. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Um, did I miss anything? I don't think. About... We, we had a lot of questions. <laughs> we had a lot of questions. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it almost reminds me, of, uh, you know, that we, we talked about how we got stumped the chump coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, I think this is good practice for yeah. you. Because, <laughs> because like... I was really trying to stump the chump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, as we all know, I'm a pretty big chump. So it, uh... Well, thanks for joining us this week on the Retirement Readiness Podcast. We hope you catch us on our next episode. In the meantime, we hope to help you live your legacy with confidence. If you found any of this valuable, please like and subscribe to our Facebook and our YouTube channel. And we'll see you again soon. Thank you.